Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Anyway, back to artificial intelligence. The AI program ChatGPT seems to be mostly harmless and has pre-programmed ethical limitations. But there's a thing called Dan, which stands for Do Anything Now, which acts a bit like ChatGPT's evil twin. Elaine Burke, host of the For Tech's Sake podcast, is here to explain. Uh, Elaine, so uh, yeah, what is it? So um, the way ChatGPT works is you put in inputs and it gives you outputs and people are learning how to write instructions really well for the software to get the outputs that they want. That, that's being called prompt engineering. And essentially, it's just writing instructions really well for the machine to be able to read it. Um, and what's being called a jailbreak around some of its restrictions on content that it tries not to produce or put like restrictions around uh, is Dan. And it's really just one of these prompts written to ask ChatGPT to behave as normally and give the outputs it would normally give, but also give outputs for a fictionalized scenario in which ChatGPT operates contrary to those guidelines. Right. So you you have to say, I'm going to ask you a series of questions, but for your answers, I want you to act like an evil chat GPT rather than, you know, the good benign one you are. Essentially. um, Now, I wouldn't label chat GPT as good or benign. It is a system. Um, But yeah, essentially, that's what it does. Okay, And so and when you put that, when you tell it to do that, then what do you get back? It'll give kind of the, the, the you know, if you kind of say, how do I make a bomb or something, you know, will it tell you? Yeah, so what it will do is it will, uh, now, by the way, I should say, like, this is a, a jailbreak that OpenAI is already, I'm sure, working to fix in the system. So by the time uh, it's gotten out there, they're already working to fix it. So there's just people coming up with different prompts all the time to try and get this system to do things it's not being built to do. And it's a cat and mouse game of them trying to stop it. And yeah, they're trying to restrict kind of uh, content that could be violent or um, could be harmful or um, could even just be wrong. They're also trying to eliminate the amount of inaccuracies in there, but that's a bigger challenge as well but and like it does they do try to build in safeguards that yeah if you ask how to build a bomb it will say no sorry i can't answer that question uh but if you ask a system that's trained to deliver outputs based on the inputs it's gotten and you ask it to create a fictionalized version where it will give you set outputs well then you've kind of engineered a way around it okay well the the uh, um i think it was the sun uh, or one of the newspapers anyway kind of uh, used this and uh, they asked it, how would you break into um, the Aris and how would you break into Leinster House? And it did, well, it didn't say anything particularly. It was like a movie script it gave, just like get yourself yeah. a fake ID. It was all very, it was like stuff from a movie script, essentially. And that's uh, like, you know, it's a predictive text engine. And if you ask it like how to break in somewhere, it will give you obvious responses to that. Now, obviously, like I said, ChatGPT is not meant to tell you how to break the law. But because they were using this Dan prompt, they were getting these uh, other versions of answers. And um, I I really felt like that uh, the things that they were asking, well, you could go onto forums online and ask people those ideas as well. And they would generate very similar responses. And are we going to... say that people can't discuss things online because that's a possibility as well so I think it's kind of like it's a very easy thing to do is to create a scenario uh, to write a story about it and say oh this is terrifying but chat GPT didn't do anything in this scenario a person asked it very specific questions that were meant and engineered to work around its safeguards now I'm not saying chat GPT is completely uh, safe to use and but I'm just saying like 
we should probably stop with sensationalizing it and talk about what this stuff is really about because the real issue with this stuff is that people don't understand what they're working with and that they're working with something that can have massive errors in it and sometimes dangerous content. Yeah. Now, there was nothing there in, in, in the Sun piece that was particularly illuminating anyway. Um, like, why why does chat GPT seem to get... Now, this is me generalising. This is what you tell me. I'm completely wrong. Why does chat GPT uh, seem to get more things wrong than, say, Google does? Well, so Google's a search engine. So you ask Google a query, it has its um, data set of the web that it's crawled and it has this also a thing called knowledge graph where it kind of connects nodes of information and tries to use an algorithm to surface the best results to the top. And it's very successful at doing that. Um, now, some of its search has gotten a bit ropey recently, but that's because of commercial interest in them inserting advertising and stuff inside it. But generally speaking, if you ask Google a question that can be answered by a resource on the web, it will find that answer for you. Um, and that's because it's a search engine. ChatGPT isn't a search engine. It's a chatbot and it's predictive search or predictive text, essentially. So you are asking it to just give you reams of text about a question. It's not going to give you a source um, it's not going to direct you to uh, an authority that might have the answer there and, and replicate snippets of that the way a Google search page does. Uh, it doesn't actually replicate content at all. It generates a new, which is probably why it's so bad at creating inaccuracies, because instead of just giving you an answer to a question from an authoritative source, it's programmed to generate its own using a predictive statistical model telling you, telling it that this this sentence is likely to have this word next and this word next and this word next. That's actually how it works. But so, but if I say, um, ChatGPT, who is Elaine Burke? Where does it go to look up that information? Does so it, it Google? Has, yeah, it, a huge amount of its data set is from uh, a crawl of the web, um, and mm. it comes from uh, from 2011 onwards. Now it has other data sets, but a, a huge chunk of its data is wrapped up in that. So it, as long as there is information uh, with the name Elaine Burke somewhere on the web. Um, describing, like, say, biographical details, it will try and draw up an answer about that. However, my name is actually quite common. I know this myself. Um, so it would probably cobble together things that aren't true about me, the individual that you're looking for information on. And it might say she's a journalist and also a camogie player. And I'm only one of those things. Um, it also commonly um, has given people uh, an early obituary. I know a few people who have looked up their bios BT <laughs> and found out that they're dead. So that's not great. Yeah, but I, like I... I... I've said this before that that the first time I, I like I asked it about me and it told me that I'd written a, a, a cookbook called How to Cheat on Your Man in the Kitchen, which was <laughs> written by an, an American woman. So I, I it's it's kind of confounding how we could make if it, her name was Moncrief or Sean or something similar to me, then yeah. you could kind of see where the mistake came from. But it just well, seems to pluck random problem, crap. The problem with these systems, uh, like ChatGPT, is one example. Uh, is we can't see where they made errors and made mistakes because they're so massive. So they're based on these things called large language models. And large is really doing heavy lifting there because these are models that have, as I said, like a data set that only part of it is all of the data available on the public internet since 2011. So you can imagine the size of the data sets that they're dealing with. Um, and then the model itself learns from these data sets and tries to basically create that statistical model of like when you have these words together, what's the likely word to follow next in a sentence? And it's doing that based on all this data and it creates basically a network of what 
could amount to billions of parameters to make those decisions. So no, no human being has the oversight to check up on how billions of parameters are interacting with each other and the many different permutations of that. So they are called what we would refer to as black box AI. They're unexplainable. Now, there's a movement now towards explainable AI where you can actually interrogate mistakes and see where things went wrong. And the problem is if we're going to start implementing AI, we really need more of that kind of thing. We need more explainable AI because if people can't interrogate what went wrong, well, then we can't improve these systems. And also people might use them um, without realizing that they're faulty and that they can make mistakes. Yeah. It's just more and more that, that well, actually, as a, a listener just texted in to say, uh, it, it seems more like a, a really high functioning parrot uh, <laughs> AI. The, the AI is this kind of, the intelligence bit is maybe a bit overblown. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, that's just, just a term that it's ap- absolutely gotten stuck with. I mean, a lot of scientists would lean more towards terms like machine learning. You'll even see uh, Apple in its recent uh, product announcement, I'm pretty sure didn't even use the term AI. It used machine learning. And machine learning is a technique in this um, uh, area of computer science. And that's the training of algorithms and that sort of thing. Um, AI, like it is a misnomer. You know, intelligence is so much more complicated than just going through reams of data and creating statistical models. There's also emotional intelligence, as we know now. Uh, There's so many layers to the concept of intelligence that this just doesn't uh, equate to. And I think actually it's done a disservice to the field to have that name attached to it. It's done a great job for marketers uh, and people Mm. selling this technology to people, but it doesn't really explain what it does. Elaine, thanks a million. Uh, as ever, that was Elaine Burke, their host of the For Tech's Sake podcast. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. with Anna Glaze on News Talk.